Well, the title of my message today is Jesus at the Tomb with a Candlestick. What does that sound like? Clue. No, okay, thank you, Richard. Please, I was working on it so hard. It sounds like Clue, because every one of the resurrection stories is, like, bizarre. I don't know about you. I, re- I read my Bible, and when I get to certain parts of it, I'm like, okay, that's different. And the resurrection stories are my favorite because they're hard for us to, to kind of envision. So I want you, I'm going to read uh, this to you. And uh, I, I think I'll just, read, I'll just read the whole thing. Are you guys okay hearing the, the, the resurrection story? Be- because I want you to see how strange weird it is. Um, so this is what it says. It says, early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away at the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other, and the other disciple. The other disciple is the person who's writing this. His name is John. He is the beloved. And he seems to always put himself in a really nice light. That's what I love about him. He's like, yeah, I was closest to Jesus. Yeah. And, and you'll see here that he beats Peter to the tomb. And you'll see some stuff. Okay. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, as if Peter wasn't loved. And she said, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple... Outran Peter, of course, because I'm writing the book, and reached the tomb first. They stooped in and looked and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but they didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside 20 minutes later. Uh, He also noticed that the linen wrappings were lying there, and while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then, and I love that, he saw and believed. He saw nothing and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said that Jesus must rise from the dead. And then they went home. That's not the story I'm going to talk about. Because the next verse says, Now Mary was standing outside the tomb, crying. So these guys are doing their thing. They're running. They're, they're going, hey, what's happening here? They see nothing. John believes. Peter's like, I don't know what's happening. He goes home. But Mary, who loved Jesus, stayed there. And this is what it says about her. It says, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head, the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying, the angels asked. Because they've taken my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they've put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. This is my favorite. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked, who are, who, and Jesus asked her, who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've put him, 
and I will go and get him. Now, usually gardeners don't take bodies. I don't know if that, that's what undertakers do, just so you guys can figure out the story, right? It's like you see the gardener, hey, did you take the body? What kind of gardener takes the body? Uh, anyway, it was Jesus. So he says to her, Mary. And she turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which in the Hebrew means teacher. And she grabbed hold of him and he said, don't cling to me. For I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but go find my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father and to God and your God. And Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. And then she gave them the message. Now, isn't that a great story? Isn't it bizarre? We got everything. We've got, you know, grieving women. We've got graveyards. We've got gardeners. We've got angels. Got empty tombs. I mean, this is like a true clue thing, right? This is this is like some serious clue stuff. And there's there's four main characters, and I, I wanted to uh, talk about the story through these the eyes of the characters. Okay, we have Mary Magdalene, we got the two angels, and of course we have Jesus. So anybody here, the the answer in Sunday school is always Jesus. He's always the answer to every question. Uh, so we got we have Jesus there. So I wanted us to kind of develop the characters and talk about the story. So you ready? So Mary's at the tomb. This is where we started. Okay. We start with Mary Magdalene. Now, you guys, we're just reading this story, but think about her. A couple days ago, Friday night, she sees the person she loves the most crucified and dying. She is actually there. If you read the rest of the story, she is there at the cross watching him die. She's sad. She's broken. The person she has followed for the last three and a half years is now gone. And she just wants to see him one more time. She wasn't doing the religious thing. She wasn't going to church on Sunday. She was saying, I need to see Jesus, even if he's dead. She didn't know that she was, he was going to rise from the dead, obviously. She was looking for a body, but she said, I love Jesus. Now, if you guys know the story, Mary Magdalene gets some bad press. You said you saw the Passion of Christ, bad press. You know, a lot of movies, it's like, oh, she's probably a woman of the night from, uh, you know, Magdala, and she gets, she gets some bad press. Now, usually it's because if you read your Bible in succession, in uh, Matthew chapter 7, it talks about a woman who anointed Jesus' feet with tears, and, and the Pharisees say, oh, there's a lady of ill repute, and, you know, she, she was a true sinner. And then the next chapter, it says, it talks about the women who follow Jesus and Mary's in there. And uh, one, of the, one of the things that it says about Mary is that uh, she was delivered from seven demons. Now, can you imagine being written into the Bible? Just for a minute, <laughs> you're gone. You know, you all of a sudden you're in the story, and somebody's writing. It's like, yeah, and these women, these these were the women. Uh, this is this is what it says, and uh, she was delivered by seven demons. What would the Bible have written about you? What would have been the byline? It's like, uh, and then there was Stu. He was following Jesus, and uh, yeah, he was ex drug addict. Uh, uh, yeah, you know. Aren't, isn't it, aren't you glad that you're not in the Bible because you don't have to have millions of people and billions of people throughout the centuries going, 
Oh, delivered from seven demons. But I like that description, actually. Because how many of us have not been delivered by at least seven demons? Except for all you good folk. Uh, Right? I mean, how many have not been tormented in your mind about your some sinfulness or some action you've taken? And, and then Jesus comes to you and says, okay, I got you. I'm going to take care of that. Has everybody struggled there? But she gets a bad rap, so I just want you to know she shouldn't. Because there's really, if you study the Bible the whole way through, you won't find anything bad about her except that she was one who Jesus delivered greatly. Isn't that great? Okay, Okay, just in case. (coughs) Excuse me, just a sec. Okay, so what else do we know about Mary? Mary is broken at the tomb, and she's really concerned about something, and she finally decides that she's going to peer into the tomb. And she sees these two angels. She's the only person I've ever seen in the Bible who wasn't afraid of the angels. I didn't realize that until I was reading it this, this week as I was studying. I'm like, everybody else that in, engages with angels in the Bible is immediately afraid. And they're like, oh no, an angel. Jesus looks at him. All right, guys, what'd you do with the body? She is, <laughs> she is not concerned about, you know, their power, their might, you know, a couple, couple of guys that are kind of gl- gleaming in a tomb. Right? There wasn't like a lot of light in there. I don't know. It doesn't say she had a torch or anything. Okay. But instead she says, what have you done with him? So she starts to find she's like okay nothing here and she stays seeking because she has one thing in mind she just wants to see jesus i love this i don't know if you guys love this you guys okay she loves jesus and she's got to see him so she goes outside and who does she see the gardener and the gardener says mary If you get yourself in the story, it says that she didn't recognize him. And Jesus was not recognizable after he died by anyone who didn't first have faith. Even us. You, we, don't, we don't come to Jesus. And in fact, Jesus says, you know, blessed are those who believe without seeing these all saw Jesus, but they didn't recognize him. If you, if you look, you look at Thomas, you look at the disciples, they're like, who is this? Oh, this is Jesus. And he was unrecognizable on purpose, I think, because every one of us has to come to him in the same way by simply saying, I believe in what you've done. I don't have to see it because I believe, and by believing, then I see. See, when all of a sudden he says her name, Mary, and she goes, that's Jesus. And I think in my own life, every one of us who's received Jesus by faith have heard our name. We've been in some place where we've been broken and hurting and needing a Savior. And we heard Him calling us. And we responded, Jesus. And then what she does, she tries to tackle Him. That's what I love about Mary. She just goes straight in for the tackle. 
She gets a hold of him. She grabs him. And he's like, woman, woman, hold on. Don't, don't, let me go. Because Jesus was going to change the relationship. She was trying to go back to the old relationship that they had before, the one where she was just following him. And he said, remember the chapters we've been talking about for the last couple months? I am going to send the Holy Spirit. Right, Leonard? That's what Leonard was telling us. And it's exactly true. He was saying, you've got to let me go so I can ascend, so my Father can send the Holy Spirit. And then you'll have me with you always. And everyone who believes in me will will have me with you always. Is that good news? It's part of the inheritance in Ephesians chapter 1. It says that he has given us the Holy Spirit as the seal of the inheritance. All right. So that's Mary. She was very interested in a relationship with Jesus more than she wasn't just coming to burn incense. She was coming to see him. And my, my, my only life mission is to encourage people, seek Jesus until you find him. And when you get a hold of him, just get a hold of him. Grab him until he says, you got to let me go. All right. Now, second point, you got the angels in the story. These are some serious angels in I've got a little bit of time. I want to develop something uh, about these angels. So this is what it says about the angels. It says, She saw two white-robed angels sitting at the head and at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus was lying. One of the reasons I had us uh, read our sacred reading today was, about that point that Stephanie brought out, in his great mercy. There's another story in the Bible that talks about angels at the, at the, the sides or at the foot and at the head of an altar. And it's called the mercy seat. And these two angels were positioned in a place where now the mercy seat has become permanent. Okay, now I don't know, you guys know about, no, I'll, I'll explain it to you, but in, in the Old Testament, uh, God had the, the Israelites build a, a, a place that was going to be exactly like heaven. And one of the places in there, in the Holy of Holies, was this thing called the mercy seat. And once a year, people would go in, a priest would go in and take the blood of goats as a sacrifice for their sins. But Jesus now laid on that slab his blood dripping once and for all, and the, the two angels are on the side. Now, this mercy seat was on top of the Ark of the Covenant, which is not like Noah's Ark, but it's a box. And in the box, I just wanted to talk about a couple things in the box. You guys okay so far? All right. So one of the things that was in the box was a, a gold jar of manna. This is, it, it, it was really, it was the bread of heaven, who Jesus is, right? And it, and it speaks of the provision of God. And it was temporary, but Jesus makes this thing permanent. These two angels bring something out that's like, your provision from God now is permanent. Okay, also in there was the Ten Commandments. Where Jesus was sitting, no longer the Ten Commandments. They're gone. Because now we have grace and mercy forever because of what Jesus has done. But then there's another interesting thing in there. It was called the, the, the budding rods of Aaron. Uh, remember? The, so the, it, the Israelites, 
of which I am a part by, by, by blood. I'm, I'm, I'm half Jewish, uh, the, the, the bad half, the rebellious half. I, I, I truly am. And uh, at least that's what my 23andMe says. And it, it, when, when Jesus delivered the, the Israelites from Egypt, uh, everybody rose up kind of proud. All the leaders of each of the 12 tribes said, hey, man, you should put me in charge. And so uh, God sees their rebellion, sees their pride, sees the stuff that's in their heart and says, okay, this is what we're going to do. Everybody who's the head of this tribe, I want you to bring a staff, and I'm going to choose the leader. And so put him in front of me. And, and Aaron's staff, it, it not only, I mean, these are just sticks, guys. These are dead. I don't know about you ever had a walking stick. These are just a stick. And all of a sudden, it, it, it buds, it blooms, and it creates an almond on it. Probably a, a whole, a, like a palm, uh, in, you know, big thing of almonds. All in one moment. And he says, put that in the box. And when I think about that, I just think about all of my rebellion, all of my pride, the things that keep me from God. He goes, put that in the box to remind you that my mercy covers over that part of your life. When I was reading this today, I mean, I was reading this and and I was thinking, that is such an amazing thing. Because one of the biggest issues of our life, often from coming to God, is our pride. It's like, okay, it's our rebellion. It's like, yeah, God, I know you want it done this way, but I'm going to do it this way. Has anybody, anybody? Okay, just checking to make sure. I'm almost done here. But So the angels were not just angels. They were messengers from God to remind us once and for all that Jesus covered over all of our rebellion all of our sins, and he's taken and he's promised provision forever. And that's what our sacred reading was about and why I got there. Okay, so we got Mary, we got the angels. Now we got to get to Jesus. Jesus the gardener. So she goes outside and she says, oh man, all is lost. I've seen the angels. I don't even care about these guys. They're not that impressive. A couple of guys that just showed everybody that God's mercy is amazing. And finally gets to Jesus, and he's unrecognizable. I just want us to sit for just a second about that, because often in our life, we're we're going through difficult times, and Jesus is close to us, and he's unrecognizable. And we're like, oh, if only God would help me. If only Jesus were here. And there he is disguised as a gardener. And you come and say, man, my life would be great if Jesus was here. I don't know what to do with this gardener. (laughs) You guys get it, right? (laughs) And the point is, is that Jesus is much closer to us, especially in our difficulties than we can ever imagine. And all we have to do is turn around and hear our name, which is what he does for every single one of us if we'll stop long enough 
and see who he really is. So Jesus reveals himself to Mary and then says this. He says, I want you to go tell my brothers and sisters that I've got the good news. And so at the very end of of the story, she goes to the brothers, to the other disciples, and she says this, I have seen the Lord. That's what Easter's all about, is that very statement that Mary finally makes. It's not the gardener. It's not the angels. It's not me. It's Jesus. And so there she is saying, sharing the good news once and for all. And that's what I want to share with you guys more. I have seen the Lord. He's called my name, just as he's called your names. And he is resurrected. And he does have a promised inheritance for us that doesn't, doesn't fade and never goes away. I, we know who we've believed and we can trust in him. And so I want to close with a word of prayer and, and an open heart today. I'll, I'll just lead us through because many of you know Jesus already. You've already heard your, your voice and come to him. And yet sometimes he seems unrecognizable in times of trial. And Jesus wants us to have our eyes open because he's right there with us. And then some of you might not have opened your heart to Jesus. You've never heard your name called. And right now he's speaking your name. And he's always just saying, turn around. Go ahead. Get a hold of me. So let's go ahead and we'll close in prayer. Lord, thank you for the mysteries that are clear and plain once we read them that are in the Bible. These aren't just stories. They're things that generate faith in us. And I pray this morning, if we're experiencing trials in our life, like Mary was, trying to find someone who she thought was lost, and yet you were always right there. And if you're suffering right now, and if you're sad, and if you're even disoriented because life seems upside down, Jesus, by his Holy Spirit, wants to come and speak your name and say, I'm right here. I am with you. Thank you, Lord, that you are now always with us. You never leave or forsake us. And for those that are, maybe you've walked with Jesus before, or maybe this first time, you've never realized that Jesus rising from the dead was to prove that this mercy is now ours forever, that we no longer have shame, we no longer have sin that we have to struggle with, but that he's settled that once and for all. And all he asks of us is for us to just say yes to the name that he calls us. So we can turn around and say, Jesus, Jesus. So Lord, for those that open their heart today, uh, we all open our hearts, that you might be the Lord of our lives. And we thank you that you rose from the grave, proving once and for all that you are God, and that you have saved us. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 
Well, let me end with this. He is risen. That's pretty sad, you guys. Okay. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen indeed. God bless you. Thank you for joining us this morning. Those who have joined us online, God bless you. Thank you for joining us uh, today. May the Holy Spirit bless you uh, in the rest of your day and your weekend. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you soon. All right. Bye-bye.